Hello, everybody, and welcome. It's March. If you're listening to this, it is March. It is 2023. It is the Media Boat Podcast, and that means it is time to build a bracket. Thank you for joining us. This is the Media Boat Podcast 2023 edition of the March of Madness special episodes that we do every March. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. And yes, it is March, and we get mad <laughs> with brackets this time of year. Yes. Um, and this year is no different as we have talked about it, we've discussed it, and we have decided that with the upcoming Taylor Swift tour, the mm-hmm. Eras tour, it's time for us to take a look back at Taylor Swift's Eras herself and bracket all of her songs. Yes. Okay. With some caveats, as we've done before on this podcast, we take basically a subject, make a bracket out of it. This year's the same, except yes, like 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 you said, yeah, we're doing Taylor Swift songs, but here's the asterisk: there are a lot of songs that Taylor Swift has either uh, featured on an album, on a, a deluxe version of an album, from the vault tracks on the Taylor's version records. And guests' appearances. We are only considering for the cases, of, like for the case of this bracket, we are only considering album tracks that were released on the album proper, not any deluxe re-releases and no guest spots. So, you might be thinking, "Well, this sucks. Why is my favorite Taylor Swift song?" Well, I'm sorry. In order to make this only five episodes, we and for us not to go insane, we had to keep some sort of rules. And so that's what we decided on. So, so no, New Romantics is not on this list, unfortunately. Um, uh, mine is not on this list. Uh, what are some other bonus tracks? Or no, ours is. Mine is. Ours is, is not. <laughs> um, so yeah, your favorite uh, Taylor Swift song may not be represented. But hey, your favorite Taylor Swift album will be. Uh, so root for your favorites. Uh, make your bets now. And we've broken up these up into four different eras. We have the country era, the uh, experimental era, yeah, the pop era, and the modern era. So, to be honest, there's no official ways to really break up the the ten albums in her career, and because it's ten and not an even like not a very easily divided into four number, we kind of had to like move some finagle some things so yeah we're calling the first two records uh which was what we're starting with today uh the debut and fearless the country albums we're calling speak now and red her experimental era i almost called this crossover era but i felt like that that was doing fearless a di- like a like a uh um, a disservice so i did not do that and then we the the pop era, which is 1989 reputation and lover, because lover is this weird transitional thing. And then the modern era is what will contain folklore evermore and midnights. So without further ado, this is how we're gonna do these podcasts. We're gonna do this in five episodes throughout the month of March. They will go live on Wednesday of each week. And the first four will be going through these individual eras that we've set up. And talking about each song and then deciding four songs ultimately at the end of the podcast to move on to our bracket of final 16, our sweet 16 Taylor Swift songs. Then the fifth episode will be moving through that bracket and choosing winners to decide one song 
that will win the tournament. So that's the setup. Like we said, today we're starting with the first two Taylor Swift albums, her country era debut oh. or Taylor Swift and Fearless. Taylor Swift from 2006. Yes. Let's uh, go back in our time machines uh, to the mid 2000s in the country, in the world of country music. Let's, uh, let's go back in time to before the iPhone was released. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, yes, the iPhone barely has. But yeah, uh, iPhone was 2007. So yeah, yeah, pre iPhone age, Taylor Swift. Yeah, just uh, in some important uh, Taylor uh, t- Taylor Swift table setting to do here. Um, it was a big deal, this first record, um, but only in the country realm. Um, she had yet to make her real big impact on uh, Top 40 Radio, uh, on pop music. Uh, only one of these songs charted at all in the Billboard like Top 15, and that is our song. We'll get to it. But the rest of them, however, were huge country hits and it established her really early on at a very young age of 17, a mainstream big country artist. So let's go through the songs here. And then we're, we've gone through and each of us have given uh, grades to them. And that is on an S through D tier. Well, I guess there's some Fs I've thrown up later in her career. Uh, but yeah, so an S through F, I guess, are f- we'll, we use the full range of options here. S tier obviously means like absolutely one of the best songs she's ever written and all the way down to F, which means the worst song she's ever written. So start top of the record. We have her first single and her big uh, breakthrough hit, Tim McGraw. Yes. Singing one country song singer, singing about another country song (laughs) singer. (laughs) It exists in the pantheon of songs by artists about other artists. Um, this song's cute. Um, I think it holds up for the most part. It's a good version of the Taylor Swift ballad. Um, it's also a very good version of the uh, Taylor Swift's love song. But it's very innocent and very like just a preview of what eventually she would do with her songwriting. And so I gave it a solid B. I think it's good. It's a good like foundation for her to build on. But ultimately, it just doesn't. The songwriting is just as not as strong as what she would do later in her career and maybe sometimes on this album. Um, it's close. And I think that it's a very nice, like, love song uh, for for somebody that age. It feels very teenage to me. A lot of the songs on this album are going to be very yes. B tier to C tier because she's yet to find her groove, um, yet to find her voice, yet to find her style. Yeah, A lot of what we're going to come across here, especially in this album and especially in this album, not necessarily in Fearless, but especially in her debut album is there's groundwork there, but it's not necessarily the star studded. Yes. Banger of a hit. It's (laughs) more, I'm learning how to songwrite. I'm learning what chord progression is. I'm learning all of this putting together and coming out with Tim McGraw. Yeah. It's a very country song. It's a very country ballad, in a sense. Um, but you're right. She will eventually write better stuff, better, better yeah. songs, better stuff. It, it, this album is especially hard to return to because of how long it's been and how different her career became after this. You're right. Like, it's a very, if you're thinking about it in the context of the time, I can understand why this was a hit. Like, it was a, t- a teenage girl writing a country song from, like, personal experience 
like in, in a more talented way than a lot of people her age had done in the past. So, yeah. So that's why I gave it. I think I, I'm feeling B. So you also gave it a B here. Yeah. I'll start um, with B here. So because it's only a B, let's maybe move on. Let's not move this ahead into the consensus, uh, into the like the considering category quite yet. Let's keep going down the, the list and maybe we can bring it in if you don't sign, find a fourth or like something stronger. So let's so, move on. Yep. Let's move on to track two. Picture to burn. All right. So Taylor Swift in rock mode here. Yes. Uh, something she revisits throughout her career. Not as much as maybe she did for the first few records, but uh, I really like this. I think this is a really good example of like, even on her debut, she was trying out different sounds and trying different ways of being a country artist, but still working in that kind of structure. Uh, Picture of the Burn to Burn uh, feels to me like she's trying to write her Gretchen Wilson song to drop a name from that era of country music. Um, and it works for the most part. I think now, of course, the legacy is the the line that she ended up changing from the debut. Um, are you familiar with what people call the homophobic version of Picture to Burn? Mm, no. So there's an original line in the song on the original CDs before they were reissued, um, where she says, the, the line is, and I'll tell, I'll tell your friends you're gay. <laughs> it was changed later uh that's ultimately i think the modern reputation that this song has but with that with that aside um i think it's a good time uh i i like her in this mode i like the energy she brings to it she'll write better revenge songs later but uh which is why i gave it only a b here but for the record it's one of the moments where it's like the energy is actually up and like i'm like and she seems like she's having a good time yeah except I just it wasn't feeling the rock album, the rock kind of <laughs> pickup here. Yeah, felt like she was trying just a bit too hard to get that point across. Yeah, which is why I kind of rated it lower than you did. Yeah, it's interesting here. You have uh, you give it in picture to burn a C, but you have should have said no for an A later. We'll yes. revisit this. <laughs> I'm very curious to what your explanation is that because we're reversed here. I think to a certain extent. Well, maybe I gave him about the same reading, but yeah, yeah. Um, she will do better revenge songs later for better or for worse. Yes, the revenge <laughs> songs are coming, yes. but not on this album. So yeah, I think we can. Yeah, we can move on from Picture to Burn. I don't think this is something that's going to hang out. Yep. Uh, but then we get to the third song on the track, and yes. the first one that we have a consensus to move on probably song that most of you have probably heard about and familiar with. Her <laughs> kind of breakout hit. Yeah. Teardrops on my guitar. Yeah, second single from the record, and in my opinion, the best ballad on the debut. Uh, I think this is her figuring out the Taylor Swift mode of writing, and I think it's the earliest example of oh, okay, she's the pieces are coming together. This is a this is her first classic, I think. Um, and yeah, I think it, it the structure structurally, it still really holds up. I really like the the tweaks that she does to the final chorus to add a little bit of urgency to it and lead it to the end. I uh, yeah, it's definitely one of the better. And yeah, of course, later they'll she'll she'll take this foundation and make even better songs. Uh, but I think this is yeah, like I think this is a like first real classic on this record. Uh, yeah, I, I gave it an A. I think it should move on here, or at least be considered to move on. Yeah, this would be the foundation of the Taylor Swift writes about a boy uh, <laughs> to go forward with. 
it's well, the better version of Tame to McGraw, I think. It's like yeah. it takes some similar kind of ideas, but then refines it and is a lot more vivid in its storytelling. Yeah, I think the storytelling in this one is very prominent. Um, more so, thinking a better picture here than you do with some of her other songs early on. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to move on to your dots of my guitar. Yes, let's put that as our first entry into the consensus category here. Yes. All right, let's move on to the next one. Oh, boy. A place in this world. This is one of the reasons why debut just doesn't hold up, because there are songs like this that are just utterly forgettable that you just run into and you're like, all right, okay. It's very, yeah, it's just very mediocre. And I gave it a D because it's just something I don't even think about in her catalog when I'm thinking, of, you know, big picture. It's a skip. It's a skip on an album from an artist that doesn't have a whole lot of skips on her albums. But ultimately, I can't even remember a whole lot from this song. I mean, I didn't think it was that bad. I think it was <laughs> there's something there. Like I said, yeah. with most of these songs, it's going to be foundation songs for stuff to come forward. I believe one of my notes originally for this one was it was riffing off of a Kelly Clarkson song. <laughs> uh yeah i guess that would have been like contemporary at the time so she yeah. could have been using that as a reference um but yeah no this is like i said a lot of this is foundational a lot of it this is the reason why we don't go back this far <laughs> into <Christmas> <laughs> catalog <laughs> yeah these are the kinds of things that you'll never hear do her do it into at the tour i'm sure when she gets to this part of the eras tour i'm sure she's gonna skip a place in this world. So yeah, <laughs> like I gave we'll it D. You gave on it to the next one. C, yeah, so we C. can move on. And unfortunately, she hard. follows a ballad with a ballad here. Yes. And Cold As You, I liked it slightly better because I like the range in the chorus. You get to hear young Taylor hit those high notes for the first time. And I'm like, you know what? She does an okay job. But I think a lot of the, the more forgettable songs in the debut all have something like have something in common they're almost too ambitious for her voice. She figures out her range in Fearless, but she's not quite there yet in debut. And you can hear that on songs like As Cold, like Cold As You. And honestly, I just think that the, the, the sentiment of the chorus is kind of lame. It's actually funny. I was reading the Wikipedia articles for these albums right before we jumped on. And she even mentions, I guess, in an interview later that she actually thinks that the line... I've never been anywhere as cold as you is really good. And I'm like, hey, Taylor, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's fine. <laughs> it's evocative, but it's, I don't know. It doesn't, it's not great. However, I like it better than a place in this world. It's a little bit more memorable, memorable for me. I like the kind of cascading ups and downs of the chorus, but ultimately I gave it a C because it's, eh, it's there. Yeah. I mean, there's some evocative writing here, especially like a lot of comparisons to being cold to a boyfriend, being cold to this in real life. It does get there, but overall, like I said, foundation for better songs that would come later. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, that one's not moving on, so we can move on ourselves. Yep. Let's move on to The Outside. So this has kind of been a grower for me. Um, it seems forgettable at first, but that chorus happens to we like like wiggle its way into my brain sometimes and i'm like you know what actually you're all right is how i feel about this song it's all right i kind of like i like the vibe of it i like the structure of the chorus 
Um, and she's having fun here. I like her having fun. It's not necessarily all the way in rock mode. It's very firmly in the kind of pop song that Fearless really like perfects. Um, but it's close. And I think that it's a, it's a solid B for me. It's one of the better moments of Taylor Swift songwriting here. That seems like it's having fun, but not, but also it's not quite up to that upper echelon yet. Well, uh, the whole point of the song is from the outside looking in, like yeah. feeling like an outsider. That's the outside. Um, but having like, uh, like trying to harken back to like when, like you were like I was on the outside looking in. <laughs> there are other songs that did that that kind of style and that kind yeah. of um, fe- evoke those feelings better than what was said here. That's fair. Uh, a note though, uh, she was specific. Apparently, according to the Wikipedia, uh, she was referencing this. The song came from the frame of reference of how her all her friends in school listened to pop music, and she was the country girl. And so from that perspective, it's like, okay, it's not so like much about being ostracized. It's more like, huh, I wish I was like, like, I feel like out of like FOMO almost. I feel like I'm missing out, not being part (laughs) of that. So that scene, even though ultimately when you look at both of these records, it's like, "Eh, Taylor, they were kind of pop records the whole time. (laughs) It's fine. She'll figure that out later. Uh, But yeah, uh, I think it's all right. I gave it a B. You gave it a C. So we can we can move on from it. Yep. And okay. that moves us to Tied Together with a Smile. And it looks like we can agree that this is the weakest song on the record. Yep. Um, it's fine, but it's like kind of boring. And I think that the chorus is stuffed full of too many words, which is a problem with a few of these songs here on debut, where it just feels like it's a little overwritten for me. And the strings are a little melodramatic um and i think it's like fine I, it, it's just yeah it's another one of those songs on this record that are like she was still trying to figure it out and this is not and she this is a path that she chose not to go down ultimately well for me it was a very teenager song <laughs> yes just written about like i don't like the person i don't like how i look at myself yeah but then again no one likes how they look at themselves when they're 13 14 writing which I guess is the idea. Um, the idea that eventually you'll, like, you'll, things will be better. Like you'll get through it. But you're like, you're holding yourself together with a smile. That's more yeah. or less what the song's about. But it's, it's very like um, unworldly view, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I get I get the point of it. But also it's just not very written very well. Like you said, it's too wordy. Also, her voice struggles, uh, I think, a lot in this song. It's just definitely, again, it's not written for her. There's a cat in the stadium. Uh, I'm sorry, I got distracted by a cat in the stadium. Um, yeah, it's it's very easy for, like, it, or it's, it's, it's it, like, later she gets an idea more about where her range is, and it's just, just not here. This song, she's gone up and down and up and down, and it's just, like, a little much for what she can handle at this age. Um, so, yeah it's we both gave it d's it's fine but it's like ultimately pretty forgettable uh in contrast to a similar song in uh like it's subject matter but i think that this one works a little better because it's a little bit more upbeat uh stay beautiful yeah it was weird having these two songs back to back yeah (laughs) it's like you say it's the very much the same kind of subject matter 
Except this is pointed towards a crush, which I think makes it slightly different. And I think that's why the energy comes up. It's not necessarily, she's not talking about a friend here. She's talking about somebody who she, like a guy she admires. And basically like, hey, you don't know how, it's it's, it's same, it's almost like that One Direction song, You Don't Know You're Beautiful, before that song. She was ahead of her time in a way. <laughs> well, no, it reminded me more of the... um Olivia Rodrigo's song uh-huh. that came out. I hope you're happier. Yeah, yeah. Except where, that's a little like, different. That's a little different because that's coming from the perspective of like this is my ex and or like and he. I don't want him to be happier with this girl, even though I kind of I do, but I don't. Which is hey, it's Pisces season, a very Pisces sentiment. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like if you can't be with me, I hope you stay beautiful right. out there. Yeah, it's similar, but this is more, I think, she doesn't have any, like, bad feelings about this guy. She's just like, hey, realize that you're beautiful and, like, stay that way. Um, I think the sentiment's kind of naive and teenage, but I think the song as a whole works for me because of that little, temp, like, of, of that even tempo. Also, the first of many songs that we'll talk about where she names a boy by name here. I mean, she does also in um, in uh, Teardrops on Teardrops the Guitar. But yeah. yeah, it's just always fun when she's like, no, this is who I'm talking about. You you hear this, you know it's you. Uh, and yeah, I th- I like it. It's a solid B for me. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I think the chorus feels just a little bit better. Yeah. Mine would have been pushing it to an A. Just a little bit, a little bit tighter. Yeah. I like it. It's a head bobber. It's fun. Anyways. Uh, that's maybe we revisit this one because we only have one song that we've moved so far. So yes. perhaps this one, maybe we should move it over. Yeah. And that brings us to Should Have Said No. Yes. Should Have Said No is, I think, the slightly better version of Picture to Burn. You've also rated it slight, uh, higher than the other one. You like this yes. more than I do, though, even. Um, because it, it reminded me a lot of Carrie Underwood. Yes, yes. In this, this is, song. If a picture to burn is a regression Wilson song, uh, should have said no is her Carrie Underwood song. Yes. Uh, very clearly. That's why um, I went straight to the A, because it reminded me a lot of that, of, um, what was it, uh, Before He Cheats? Yes, it's kind very of the same, kind of very provocative, provocative of it. I feel like those were around the same time, right? Because she wins American Idol in 05. Yeah. Carrie probably doesn't write this might predate it or it might predates, be around within months it. or they might yeah. be within months of each other. Um, regardless, it was the vibe at the time. And yeah, it's very contemporary of its time for that country sound. I think it's the best version of that, that on this record, it's the probably the most modern country song here. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's a good time. And I like, I like the sentiment of it. It's, it, and yeah, it's got that really fun chorus. Um it's really got some heft to it. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I gave it a B. You gave it an A here. Uh, so I'm guessing this one. Funny up. enough, that chorus, a little bit of Daniel Powder in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. It's 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 a preview, I think, of what she's gonna do. A, a little bit of what she's gonna do later. Yeah, I think it's better uh, chorus and better hook than most yeah. of what else is on this album. All right, so that one. Pro- let's move that off over into the next category as well. To okay. consider. We'll consider it for now. We'll consider. Uh, it. Yep, and then we get to a very flip flop into our <laughs> ratings. 
with yes. Mary's song, Oh My My My. <laughs> I really love this song. I, this is one of my favorites in her catalog, honestly, because I, and it's the first seeds of what I think is her storyteller mode, um, which is like, you get a full ass picture of the person she's writing about here in this song because she's very detailed. It's very detailed. And I think it's a really good I, a preview of what she does later with songs like All Too Well. Like her classics start here in the way that she's like building this entire scenario bit by bit over the course of, of course of the song. It's also a great example of her not just doing the same chorus over and over again. The chorus evolves, which I think is a huge step in her songwriting. And yeah, I think it's very Swifty. And this is the beginning of a very Swifty style. Uh, explain your C here, because I just I I can't follow the logic. I don't, I just I think by the time I got to this song in the album, it just <laughs> very reminiscent of the rest of the album where it was okay. It's building blocks, yeah, and not necessarily like yes, this is a hit. This is a song I want to come back to. It's definitely a lot of stuff that's very country esque in here. Yeah, talking about yeah, you know your trucks, your slamming doors. <laughs> um staying outside yeah uh but just nothing but i think it might have been i don't say it was too country but hmm. interesting it just didn't flow with like the rest of the album for me yeah and i think taylor knows that as well because it's not something it's not a vibe that she revisits for a while like there's not a something that sounds like this until like i said i think you get to speak now where she has a little bit more like control over what she's trying to do and she's like oh actually i want to revisit this kind of song and i think that's what brings us to songs like dear john especially this is like proto dear john in my in my mind anyways but yeah uh, i think i think i get what you're saying so we don't necessarily have to move it uh if you're not like super strong on it but it's definitely one of my sentimental favorites all right which brings us to the final song of the record, uh, which I think is an easy slam dunk here, and I think the best song of the record. It is the Taylor Swift classic, Our Song. Um, this is it. I mean, this is Taylor Swift. Like, she's here on debut. This is the most, like, this is the one she'll do at the tour. This is the one, this is like a encore song, like, level of her catalog here, because it's the one, one everybody knows. This is the one where she will start it with the first line and then not sing and let the stadium sing it to her. Yeah, exactly. This is and this was our big first crossover hit. It was the hit from the record and um, blew the other previous singles out of the water. Uh, And there's a reason for it, because it's a perfect synthesis of storytelling, Taylor and pop Taylor. Mm -hmm. She smashes those two things into a like into together and it's the blueprint for every one of her huge hits that follow this, especially the hits from Fearless. She basically takes this song and uses it as the basis of Fearless, and it really shows. Um, yeah, it's a classic for a reason, and it's just, it's a teenage song that is universally appealing because every couple, like, is always thinking about, like, oh, what's our song? Like, do we have a song? And the it's such a novel concept of a song to be like, no, this is that song. It's a song of our lives, of the things, of our relationship, of the normal, like, mundane things about us. That is our song. We don't need somebody else to write it. I'm going to write it for us, and this is it. It's a very endearing sentiment, and it's the reason why it's a classic. Um, it's, like, such a great idea for a song 
I mean, yeah, I mean, it, when you're young, when you're in a relationship, it's like, oh, what's our song that's going to come on the radio that we can right. listen to? Because remember, this was bef um, in the very early days of the iPod. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no streaming. You can't just, uh, not everyone has the songs that you can easily access now. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah so yeah. waiting for your song to come on the radio. Yes. Yeah, it's nostalgic in that way, but I think also it holds up because, yeah, those conversations are constantly happening. Um, so yeah, this is easily the first S tier in her career. Um, right. I mean, it's also, yeah, it's also a song that's not necessarily labeled strictly for teenagers and young love. Right. You know, as people like get older, get married. You know, you have to think of a song for like your first dance. Where are you gonna play at your weddings? Yeah. So you know, the our song, not necessarily this song, but just the <laughs> theme of our song yeah. goes beyond just being a kid song. Yeah. Or a, a young love song. All right, well, that is the last song on the debut album. So we now get to move on to her second album, Fearless. A uh, couple notable notes about this one. Her first album of the year, Grammy. Uh, it also wins the uh, CMA that year. It was a huge, huge success. It sold more than every other one of her albums for a very, very long time. It was the number one selling album in her career. Um it was a phenomenal also one that uh, when I went back to it, I was like, that's a hit. That's yeah. a hit. Mm -hmm. That's a hit. That's a hit. This it's, was definitely yeah. her breakthrough album. Absolutely her breakthrough album. Um, and it really leans more into the pop, pop sound. And it's also the thing that brings us to uh, like basically her breaking into the mainstream and not just being a country artist. So let's start from the top here. Uh, it starts with the title track, Fearless. Yep, we start Fearless with Fearless. Yes. Um, it's all right. I think it's a solid B for me because it's a version of a song that she does better later. Yes. Uh, that being said, though, it, it checks all of those Taylor Swift boxes. It checks all the very catchy boxes that, especially mm -hmm. coming like right out the gates, like yes. it's going to be catchy. You're going to bop to it. This is <laughs> an album that's going to be, you know... One you're going to want to come back to. It's very yes. pro evocative. I keep wanting to say provocative. <laughs> no, that's reputation. No. We'll get there. Yes. <laughs> no, it's very evocative of that, just like, um, you know, songs that get you going. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it, it introduces the singing, dancing, and the kissing in the rain imagery that she uses throughout the rest of her career. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, Fearless, a solid B for me. Um, I think that there's bangers coming up, so maybe this doesn't move on, but it's something to consider if we need more. Well, I don't know how it gets better than this. <laughs> well, it follows by a song that actually I don't think is better than it, but you, you are divided here, uh, which is 15. So this is Taylor in nostalgia mode. I want to note, this is the first time she's in nostalgia mode. In the debut, All most of the songs are from like a... like current like point of view is t teenage taylor writing about teenage taylor this is interesting with 15 she starts looking back which is hilarious considering that she's 18 19 here looking back at 15 that's right. four years taylor <laughs> well, really no, it's also different? her looking back on her first album like oh how naive you were how do you, like try to think back like Oh, like you just starting out high school. Now here I am yeah. trying to impart my wisdom as a senior <laughs> up to you freshman. And as an idea, I like that idea. I like that she's like, oh, well, I'm 19 now. I understand. I like that. However, 
to, the reason why I only give this a C here is because I find it kind of boring. It's like the sentiment is there. I think it's kind of touching. It's kind of cute. But ultimately, at the end of the song, I find it kind of meandering. It never really go does enough for me to get to that classic zone. The chorus is just a little flat. Um, I think there's better the better version of this idea. It's for me is the best day at the end of this record. I think it's slightly better, but even that song is kind of the same vibe to me. Uh, I think what you're missing or what you're getting at is that it's uh more of a lullaby. Yeah, it's very soft. It's very sweet. It's very rocking back and forth. It's a swaying song. It's not a <laughs> um Taylor, a very like Taylor jump up kind of stadium anthem that she would become known for it's fine ultimately is how i feel about it and yeah it's a solid c you gave it an a though uh yeah yeah i mean yeah it's an interesting concept for a song uh it just doesn't do enough for me all right sake of time we're gonna move on to the next one which is absolutely another classic in her in her career love story yes it moves on we both gave it an s just yeah. like our song, it's the Taylor. It's one of the Taylor Swift classics. It's the one everybody knows. It's a retelling, quote unquote, of the Romeo and Juliet story with her and an, an a boyfriend that her family just doesn't understand. Um, but the reason why this works is because she goes full whole hog into the metaphor here. She doesn't understand what the Scarlet Letter is, but by God, she's going to use it. Um, <laughs> like. She just goes and she leans in so much to it. Even the video is just full Shakespearean cosplay. It's very romantic. It's very like this was Taylor Swift's shit for a while. It was very much the princess of uh, like a uh, uh, mm-hmm. fairy tale imagery. And this is where it starts here with Love Song or Love Story. Well, this is much of the same wave, like the next step of our song. It's our love story. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. It's taking that, what you took from that song, and basically this is kind of like the sequel to it is, yeah. won't you marry me now? Yeah. But the best thing, and I think one of the reasons why this is an instant classic, is the way she manipulates the final chorus, and just really, it go. she just goes for it. It like, does it sl- just a slightly different version. It's that classic like construction where it's like, oh, well, this time the lyrics are going to be slightly different from the other perspective, and that's going to change the mm-hmm. vibe. Where it's all of a sudden, it's not like, it's not the girl pining for the guy. It's the guy saying like, no, this is happening. Uh, <laughs> I'm dropping to my knee. I am proposing. Go get your white dress. This is going down. I already talked to your dad. Well, yeah, it's not even that. Just also in the lyrics itself, it goes from the downtrodden kind of low vibe in right. not just the music, but also in the lyrics down to you don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. and then just ramps up. Yeah. Yes. For the finale, for the climactic finale, it's a great climax of, of for a song, and uh, it's again like a really good template for stuff she'll do later. Nah, so that one moves on for sure, yes, easily. Let's move on to a little bit of a slow burn. Uh, hey, Steven, another song where she's shouting out a very specific guy she had a crush yes. on. In this case, it was a tour mate. It was a lead singer of a band that they were touring with at the time. Um, I like it. It's a fun little bop. It kind of has the same vibes to me as um, as uh, uh, Stay Beautiful, where it's just like kind of like a nice little thing about like like ode to a guy that she likes. 
I think this is really fun. And I and it's a mode that you don't see Taylor in a lot where she's like almost scatting at the end here. She's having fun here. She's in like relaxed Taylor mode. And as we know, she's a very type A girl. She's not relaxed often. <laughs> so so I, I like Hey Steve and I think it's cute. But you uh you don't agree here. Oh uh, no, I mean it's a fine song. I think it's uh, for me too much trying to pine over a guy. Yeah. I think it's too much of like, hey, like, look at me, notice me. I'm trying to do all this stuff for you. Like, I'll still be here, yeah, even when everyone else is gone. Mm-hmm. So, won't you please like look my way? Hey, Stephen, <laughs> over here, in I'm like standing over here in the big red dress. Can yeah. you see me? This is slightly better than she revisits this idea uh, with uh, the bonus track "Superstar" in the Speak Now era, but eh, it's worse. <laughs> so i prefer this actually better all right let's move on um right. to yeah because i i don't think that one moves on but uh next song is white horse uh white horse a minor country hit at the time um it's her in ballad mode it's kind of a follow-up to teardrops on my guitar um it's the flip side of love story it's when that relationship goes bad where she's saying Actually, the fairy tales were wrong. True love's not a thing. I don't believe it anymore. My white horse is like, you're not going to save me anymore. Like, I'm on, you're, I'm on my own. Uh, you've abandoned me and you're not going to catch up. What I like about it and what adds nuance to it is by the end, she's reversed it. She almost owns it. And this is something also she does later, even as recent as something on some tracks on Midnight's, where she takes it and sets it up as like um, uh, specifically referencing um, you're on your own, kid. From midnight, yes. it's almost the same structure where she starts with saying like this is a negative thing things didn't work out i've always felt like i feel like burned by this but by the end of the song she's claiming it she also does this at the end of dear john which is actually no you don't you can't catch me now i'm i'm already gone like it's not about you saving me anymore i've saved myself i've moved on from this and that's why I think I'd give it a B and not a C here. It's a little boring, but I think that she that reclaiming at the end saves it for me. And it's the again, it's the quality of a writer like Taylor, where she can turn into like a boilerplate ballad and make it better by adding those little details. And I think that's just ultimately like why I like this song better than Hey Steven. It's just the yeah. content of the song. Yeah. And I think it holds up better as a, as a Taylor Swift song. I think it's definitely something she could do on tour. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think this is something maybe to consider. Let's move on. Next track, You Belong With Me. All right, another all-timer from Taylor with an all-timer video with the quotable quotes. I mean, everybody thinks about cheer captains and bleachers and short shirts, short, short skirts and t-shirts. Yep. Um, it's a classic for a reason. It's very sing-along. It's an early example of those pop crossover hits she's going to have in the 1989 era. Um, it's good. I don't think it's her best pop song, which is why I've only given it an A here as opposed to an S. But I get the S. I get the argument because it is, like I said, it's one that all the Taylor Swift songs remember. It is her breakthrough moment, like period. Like Love Story was getting there, but this breaks like this breaks her, her like her record. This is the one where pop the world starts to notice Taylor Swift. Right, and this is more of a pop. This is essentially more of a pop song than it is a country it's a song. song. It's a pop song. Yeah, yeah it's a pop up. song. Yeah, straight up. Uh, but this also takes the same subject matter of, like we just talked about, Hey Steven. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, won't you like look at me, notice me? Can't mm-hmm. you see me? And actually, like, I think does it, it does it better. 
And I still think Which it's really pretty... still both on the same album. And yeah. And I think it's still pretty novel when you consider it. It was novel at the time, but it still feels novel. It's such a universal feeling when you're that age of being like, oh, there's such and such that they're over there with that guy. Like, I'm better than that guy. I know what she's like. I get her jokes. I laugh at like, I laugh with her. He doesn't get her. He doesn't treat her right. It's such a universal feeling. And to put it in a song like this is genius. And like, that's why it works so well. So, so yeah, that one moves on for sure. You belong with me. Yes. Classic. It also does the same thing with love story of gets it to the crescendo and then drops yeah. for the last chorus to change it out yeah. before you get to the end. Right. Yes. It's a, it's a good switch. Yes. Uh, all right. Let's move on uh, to the, what in my opinion is the weaker half of fearless. Uh, so we then go into breathe, which is the duet with Kofi Calais. Yes. Snore fest. I just never, I've never liked this song. I think its tempo just creeps along. It's not interesting enough. Colby Calais, you could barely hear uh, doing the harmonies here. Even in the Taylor's version re-record, she's barely there. And uh, yeah, it's just, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't like how half the chorus is just a spiral downward. It's just, it just sounds like I'm falling asleep whenever I hear it. <laughs> But you disagree. Oh, I like the song. I, maybe it's, <laughs> uh, maybe because I, I liked it when it came out. Sure. That it was of Taylor Swift and Colby Calais. But yeah, I really like that chorus because it's very it's simple. It's just only two lines. Mm-hmm. But they're able to extend it out and literally breathe life yeah. into the song, both like figuratively and with like just the name of the song, breathing <laughs> into it. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I just yeah, I just don't find the energy to it. And also, yes, you point out a good point. The chorus is two sentences long. <laughs> it's very simple. And maybe that simplicity is what loses me. There's some songs that she goes... This is, again, though, Calm Taylor, which is a Taylor mm-hmm. we don't see a lot. Uh, yeah, that it disappears starting with the Speak Now era. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I mean, the, the reason I didn't rate this in S tier, because it is more of a very relaxed and subdued. It's not the... Um, how I put the uh, arena anthem that everyone's going to be singing. Speaking of at least attempts at arena anthems, let's move on then to uh, two uh, uh, two in a row of stinkers, in my opinion. (laughs) But first with Tell Me Why. So Tell Me Why, it's as if a song is a bag, like a grocery bag, and it's just been pushed full of so many groceries that it's spilling off the top of it. That is what the song feels like. There's too many ideas, too many lyrics. Like literally even the guitar line is all over the place. It's like the 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 it's really hard to tell where she was trying to go here. There's a lot of ideas and I just don't think it all clicks together. Um uh, tell me why is kind of a mess for me. It's going at something that I think she even does better in the same record that she just doesn't nail here. It's just it's total miss in my opinion. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Do I have to say something good about this song? I mean, yeah, it's just a mouthful. It's a mouthful. Yeah. She just, it, the chorus is way too complicated. It's like, and it goes out like, da, 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 It's just way too crowded. It's just way too crowded. It doesn't have room to breathe, ironically. Yes, if breathe was the <laughs> antithesis yes. of tell me why. Right. 
So yeah, I think we could move on from it, certainly. But yeah. not into much better territory, because hey, hey Taylor, you've been listening to One Republic lately? <laughs> sure sounds like you have, because You're Not Sorry is the most like alt, like like alt rock radio to that mid 2000s thing i like heard in her entire catalog and yeah it sounds like a one republic song which again was the style at the time and i get that she was taking those influences but this is her version of that and it's just a slog it's just boring nothing really happens here even the chorus is kind of boring it's uh-huh. just da 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 just over and over again it's it's almost proto bad blood in its in its uh construction and i don't really like bad blood that much so it's like it's her attempt at an alt pop song almost and it just doesn't work so there's a reason i kind of stopped listening after this song <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes when i coming back to this because you have two in a row that just sync the attitude yeah. just sync the album and it's i that's why i stopped that's why yeah. the, i didn't want to finish the album yeah, this is, again, these two records are interesting because they're both her trying different things. Mm-hmm. And some of them just aren't going to work. And she realizes that. And there's reasons why she doesn't try some of these things again after this. So let's move on. Uh, those were duds. We don't have to talk about them. But yep. I think she redeems herself with the next two songs. The Way I Loved You, I think, is a lot of fun. Um, I think it's um, it's an example of uh, like a really like good momentum in a Taylor song where it just like goes it just it, the chorus just goes and just whips right past you um, and also it's fun content wise it's like a fun like observation of eh, this relationship's not that fun this other relationship I had it was like we were all over the place, which is a theme she revisits later in her catalog as well. I think it's fun. Um, and it's, again, teenage without necessarily feeling super teenage because of how universal the feeling is. I gave this an A. You gave this slightly lower at a B. Yeah, I mean, it definitely felt more... Basically, if I rated it like a B, it's kind of like a foundation song. She'll sure. do better later. Yeah. Or she's done better in the past. Um, but yeah, it's... It was just a fine song. I nothing up, nothing down about it. Sure, sure, okay, all right. Well, but as for the next one, I think <laughs> we both agree it's pretty much a good, a good way to go with all with forever and always. They're interesting next to each other because they're pretty similar in tone. But the reason why I think for there are two reasons why I think forever and always is the slightly better song. One, the better chorus. Yes, and it takes that momentum, but also it's like a fun little like. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit more fun and nuanced, but also it's on this list because in the uh, the platinum version of Fearless, there is a piano version of this song that's included that slows the tempo down and reinterprets it as a ballad, and it's even better. Like if you ask most Swifties, they'll tell you piano forever and always is the classic, not the original, and I think they're right. Um, so yeah, I think that that shows that the songwriting here is really stellar. And uh, go, it works in both kind of versions, whether it works as a ballad or kind of like an anthem. Um, yeah, it's definitely a classic. And I think, yeah, you're right. It definitely moves on. All right. And we can be fast with the last two because, oh boy, there's not much to talk about here. Uh, uh, best day. Again, it's similar to 15 in which she's looking back at herself, except I like this better because it's it's specifically childhood with her family. It's specifically a family scene. It's her relationship with her mother. Which, again, 
something she revisits later in the catalog. And it's a nice little seed of that. Um, I think it's cute. It's a cute song with the cute scenes of her going shopping with her mom for getting mad at her friends for like not inviting her to something. Again, very childhood sentiment, but like it's cute. And I think it works slightly better than 15 in my opinion, but it's still a skip. It's still absolutely something that's not necessary for the record. Yeah, I mean, it is a song about her and her mother. It is, I mean, yeah, there's influences from her family, from her family uh, song. But at the end, she does wrap it around to, "You were it was the best day with you, mom. Yeah. Or like, all my best days were with you. Yeah, it's cute. It's cute. Yeah. And it's especially devastating. Can you imagine if in a playlist this came right before, um, if like, uh, so, like, um, uh, fucking, what's the song on? Um, is it ever? Is it uh, 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 folklore or evermore the one about her mom's cancer diagnosis? Oh, <laughs> could you imagine just the one-two hit? You'd be bawling. Like that's like it's brutal. That would be brutal. Anyways, so yeah, I like best. I like it better than fifteen, but ultimately, it's just another one of those. She does it so much better later that it's like kind of not worth considering here. Mm-hmm. And then she ends the record with Change, uh, a song that I think, she, again, she does way better later. It's kind of a boring, overwritten song with like, I think it's the most vague sentiment on the record. It's not personal enough. Taylor yeah. is best when she's personal and specific. Change is too broad. It's very much about like, it feels like almost like an election season song where it's like, we believe in change. It's very Obama era uh, because this is 2008. Yep. Um, It feels almost like campaign trail vibes and not really something specific that she went through. And that's why the disc, there's a disconnect for me with this song where, especially to end the record on that note. However, and this is the reason why this doesn't affect my score here is because we're not talking about the context of the Taylor's version record. But I just want to note, the song does improve on the Taylor's version rec- uh, version. And the, the reason why I think it does, is because when you reframe it as a victory theme about reclaiming her masters, it works in that context, I think, better than it did when she wrote it. But without that context, and if we're looking at this from the era that she wrote it in, it doesn't. It doesn't work as best, like better. It just kind of seems kind of empty. I mean, it does. I won't say it's too preachy <laughs> at times, but it's that vibe, yeah, it, it is that vibe. I mean, not. I mean, she does sing "Hallelujah" in it, so <laughs> literally, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. But it's 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 a it's a weird note to end a record that's full of better songs. All right, like, I think if "Chain Your Best Day" were reversed, it might yeah. end better. Correct. I think yeah. you're right. Maybe swap those two. Yeah. Anyway, so we've reached the end of both of these albums. We have right now one, two, three, four, six. five, six songs to pare down to four. So we need to drop two of these. So far, from okay. top to bottom, we have Teardrops on My my Guitar, Should Have Said No, Our Song, Love Story, You Belong With Me, and Forever and Always. We need to choose four to stay and two to leave. So the one we were uh, divisive about was should have said no. Okay. All right. Um, so ultimately, I think the ones that can easily move on are, I say we need four of these? Yeah, we need four to stay. So love song, or sorry, our song, love story. Mm-hmm. And you belong with me, I think. You belong the locks. with me. Those yes. are the three locks. 
So highlight those or something so we can yep. see. And then so the the ones that could flip are should have said no and for uh teardrops on my guitar and forever, forever and always. always. Yep. So two of these has to have to go and one of them moves on. Um I'm thinking just teardrops on my guitar just because it was the first single. Mm, okay. Now consider that, that these are going to go go. Uh, we have to consider which ones are going to hang in the bracket, right? Yes. So that being said, for bracket purposes, mm-hmm. I think forever and always. Yeah, I'm leaning that direction. I think should have said no. I get why it's on the bubble here, but I think yes. it's not going to hang with the rest of the catalog. Well, especially when she gets into more of a rock status right. later around. It. it cannot hold a candle to any of the rock adjacent songs on Speak Now. I'm going to tell you right now, it will lose against. Haunted. It will lose against Enchanted. It will lose against Long Live. Like, it's not going to live. Um, so I think we eliminate Should Have Said No here. And then it's be- like, between Teardrops on My Guitar, I agree with you. Forever and Always is probably the stronger song lyrically. And also, that that like, I know it doesn't affect the, the bracket, but the piano version, like, being as strong as it I is. Mean, we, we just put the piano version, too. It's our No, bracket. we're not considering bonus tracks. So unfortunately, nope. we can't. Okay. Um, but the teardrops on my guitar is like like I said, kind of her first classic. Um hmm, that's a toughie, but for sake of time, since we have a couple minutes here, I think, yeah, I think you're probably right with Forever and Always. It's probably gonna fight better in the bracket than Teardrops yes. on my guitar will. All right. So that brings we have our first four songs. All right. So our soul song moving on from the debut is our song, as we probably guessed. Yes. And then we have three songs moving on from Fearless. Love Story, You Belong With Me, and Forever and Always. All right. So that will do it for our country era. So we'll have three more eras to come next time we record. We'll talk about the experimental era. Speak Now, Red, uh, arguably her strongest songwriting here. So it's going to be a brutal, brutal, brutal decision-making process next time. That one won't be That was the easy one. (laughs) We did the easy one. The rest are only going to be harder. Yeah. Um, so thank you for joining us for part one of the Taylor Swift era's March Madness bracket from the Media Boat podcast. We'll be back next week with another edition. Or as you love to say, if or, you're listening in the future, you can listen to all of them now. <laughs>